calling all hardscapers, landscapers, and outdoor living pros. This is your host, Joshua Gillow. I am so excited to announce our first ever six-day immersive hands-on outdoor living design build event in New Holland, Pennsylvania. Over the course of a week, Yes Express, Souders Hardscape Supply, and Pave Tool Innovators are going to teach you how to become downright dangerous in sales, design, installation, and equipment slash tool operation. Expert teachers will cover the installation of custom features like permeable pavers, fireplaces, stone decks, custom outdoor kitchens, water features, putting greens, and so, so much more. This event was designed specifically for growth-minded business owners and teams who want to get their hands dirty and learn from the best so they can take their businesses to new, unimaginable levels. So mark your calendar from February 20th to the 25th. Seating is limited. You can get your tickets today at OutdoorLivingMastery.com. Again, OutdoorLivingMastery.com. Oh, did I mention that we're raffling off over $20,000 in specialty tools and other profit-driving goodies at this event? You're not going to want to miss it. Let's make 2023 the most profitable year ever. Now back to the show. Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, I hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we're passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow, and through my 25 years of dirt under the nails experience, I look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow. This episode is sponsored by Yes Express, where we can help landscapers, hardscapers, and outdoor living probes double their sales in half the time. If you're curious, reach out to us. Hello at yes.express. Today on our show, we have Zach Gordon. He's a young operations manager at MGZ Lawn and Ground Care in Ohio. He's going to come on today and we're going to have a conversation about what it's like to be young in the industry and trying to get others, especially in the commercial industry, that's where he's at, and trying to get them to, you know, kind of take you seriously, right? I know there's a lot of people out there listening. A lot of listeners are young and starting business. I know I remember back when I was 18 and started mine and trying to get the credibility from your clients uh, and trying to get projects moving forward. So today, Zach's going to dive deep into that with me, and we're going to teach you what he learned along his journey about how to overcome that obstacle and to become the badass that he is. So, um, Zach, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem, Zach. It's uh, it's my pleasure to have you on here. And I like to get, uh, I, I did read some of your bio early on, and it says that you love to kayak and hunt. So tell me a little bit about that kayaking. Are you one of those guys that puts the pads on and the helmet and flips over waterfalls? Or are you more like the, let's kick back and go enjoy ourselves a little time away with some quiet? Or which one do you, where do you fall? Uh, definitely the quiet. Definitely the quiet. I love a uh, nice calm river, maybe a little rapid here and there, but a uh, nice calm river. That way, you know, the cooler doesn't tip over off the kayak <laughs> and I can uh, I can enjoy my Saturday or Sunday and relax a little bit. I love that, dude. Those guys are crazy. I've watched some yeah, of those documentaries yeah. off waterfalls and when they put pads and helmets on to get in a kayak, that's a whole other level. That's, yeah, that's, too, that's too much for me. <laughs> that's not very relaxing. It doesn't yeah, sound no, like I'm, I'm a pair of swim trunks and a pair of Crocs. <laughs> And some ice and beer and you're good to go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love it. So Zach, take me back to, uh, you know, to how you got into this industry and became operations manager over at MGZ and you know, take me down your, your path. Where'd you come yeah, from? So, uh, I'll try to, uh, sum it up as best I can. Uh, so around 2014, I started working for my dad's company, which is MGZ. Uh, we used to be Brown's lawn service back in, we started in 1972. So this is actually technically our 50th year in business. Nice. Uh, we've got some contracts here in our folders in our office that are from 1981 uh, as the oldest I found them that we still have that customer today. And there's wow. a handful of them we still have from the eighties. Uh, but we were at one time, one of the largest commercial landscapers in Dayton. Um, but I can get into that later. Uh, my background is I started in 2014 here on a crew and I really didn't know what I wanted to do yet. Um, when I was in junior high and coming into high school, I wanted to either be a, design engineer or some sort of engineer for Ford Motor Company. 
Uh, I love the F-Series trucks. I love F-250s and F-350s. And I wanted to be one of the ones that was responsible for designing them, implementing them, uh, making changes. Uh, and then as I went on a little bit, I realized office isn't really for me. Hmm. Uh, I started looking more towards a law enforcement career. Um, and I, I really didn't realize it at the time, but uh, my dad had some side accounts that he always mowed when I was younger. And I would always go with him and I loved going with him. I just never realized that it's what I wanted to do later in life. Uh, so 2014 and 15, I started working on a crew. Um, and then I started really kind of realizing that this is what I wanted to get into. Uh, so I enrolled in a business management class at one of our career centers locally. And the start date was too early. I wanted to keep on mowing with my crew for another couple weeks. So I skipped that just said, well, I'm just going to do regular high school. Um, and then my mom called me one day while I was actually at work and said, Hey, there's, I just talked to this instructor at Upper Valley Career Center, which is our local, our closest one to where I live and where I'm from. It's in Pickwoods, North of Dayton, about a half an hour. Um, she said they start Thursday uh, and this was Tuesday. She's like, you need to go up there tomorrow and, and meet the instructor because it's not not too late. So uh, that Wednesday literally took a break from my crew on my lunch break. My dad drove me up to Piqua. Um, I got a name drop, John Kreitzer. Uh, he was my instructor at the career center and really is one that, uh, ignited my passion for this industry, um, and really kind of propelled me to do more in the industry. Uh, he's, I'm lucky enough to call him one of my good friends. Now we talk pretty much weekly. Uh, but it was literally the day before the career center started that I made the decision on my lunch break to enroll there and go through their program. And then that led to uh, we have what's called the Ohio High School Landscape Olympics. It's put on by our local, uh, or it's Ohio Green Industry Association, so our nice. state state association. And it's high school teams from all over the state. There's usually between 100 to 300 kids that are all in career tech programs for landscaping that go and compete. Um, and while I was there, I met with Ohio State ATI and with Columbus State Community College and then ended up uh, after high school, going to Columbus State for two years for landscape design and management, and uh, just haven't looked back since. Been uh, been in depth with this industry, and I I don't think I'd ever ever leave. I've I've looked at you know if we ever get out of our company, if we ever sell out or uh, change ownership, you know if we ever decide to to be done with our family company and, and go a different direction, I will probably still. Uh, with working with John, I go to the career center a lot and volunteer for his classes and help nice. them to kind of inspire the next generation. I'm, I'm big on uh, we as an industry need to do better with with reaching out to the next generation because there's a lot of this industry that's aging. Yeah, um, for sure. For lack of a better word. And and mm -hmm. that's a problem. We need to we need to ignite more. And so I think even if I get out of my company aspect, I'd probably still look at being an instructor for a career tech. So I'm, I'm pretty well dug into this industry. I, I don't, I don't plan on leaving anytime soon. I love that, dude. I love your passion to helping and especially the, um, you know, the volunteering and helping the next generation. Now I got it to back up a little bit here. You mentioned yeah. landscape competition. So tell me what a landscape yes. competition is and how that actually lays out. I'm curious. So it's, it's, uh, they, they put it on. It was, uh, the first year of it was my junior year in high school. Uh, so my first year at the Career Center, and I think we placed fifth that year, uh, but they have, I believe, 18 events. They're all sponsored by local Ohio companies. Um, so there's everything from Mini X to Skid Steer to plant installation, truck and trailer, uh, plant ID, turf. There's just all these competitions. And uh, even for you, I know you're, I believe you're in uh, Pennsylvania, correct? That is correct. I next or this coming November, uh, I'll try to reach out to you because I I try to tell as many industry people I can about it because it's just so unique and so cool because nice. no other state really does it. Um, it's basically a smaller version of what the NALP does with their national collegiate competition. Okay, It's basically the same thing only on a high school level. And there's all these companies from around Ohio that go and they set up a career fair and it's uh, a, just a day full of competitions. And uh, I'm lucky enough to say I've, I've got my stack of medals from my two years of going. So nice. uh, I go every year. The reason we don't really go as a company uh, is because I'm so close to all the kids in that program at the Career Center anyway. Mm -hmm. I already have kind of a feeling of which ones I want to hire. Yeah, And I like to go and just instead of being there to 
advertise for my company. I'd, I'd much rather go and help John's program out and, and, you know, try to, try to help them win. Essentially yeah. we've danced all the way around first. We've gotten every, every metal, but first, and it's always by just a couple points. So we're, we're on uh, we're overdue now. <laughs> I love what you're saying because I know a lot of listeners have a hard time finding good help. Like yeah. where's the, where's the, 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 the well to find all the good help. They all seem to be going somewhere else. So they just aren't there. And it sounds to me like you've found the better way to hire people, you know, add value first, that whole concept and through the volunteer side. So tell me about how volunteering, giving your time has paid off. It sounds like huge dividends when it comes to hiring, you got to give first in order to get. So tell me a little bit about your mindset there, because I think it's dialed right in. Yeah. So especially with the crew center kids, um, you know, with me being 22, I can kind of connect with them a little bit better than a lot of our competitors can. Mm -hmm. So whereas they're going up to our competitors booths or when our competitors come into the career center, even and, and talk to the kids, they, they really can't connect with them because they're not the same age. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure, you know, down the road, I'll probably lose that. I'll probably lose that touch. I'm, I'm sure because eventually it's going to be, you know, they're going to have a, the iPhone 28. I'm still going to be with my iPhone 13 or something. And <laughs> I'm going to be completely lost talking to them. But uh, really just uh, I try to go in there at least a couple times a month. And whether it's just glad handing with some of the kids and, you know, they a lot of them look up to me because they see, OK, he went through the program. He got his degree. He's he's gone through all these steps. Um, and even though it's, it's my parents' company, they, they kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel of where they can go and it's not just mowing yards. And so yeah. I can connect with them a little bit when I go in there and not just be, not just be there to teach them something. I can go in and just, just sometimes just sit in in a class and just watch. And then when we talk about business management, you know, or whatever topic I discuss with them, um, they, some of them look at me like they just, I just read them the encyclopedia front to back. And mm -hmm. some of them really grasp on and go, wow, this, this guy knows what he's talking about. I need to, I need to probably pay attention uh, because a handful of them have, uh, they have their own companies, small mowing companies, and they see the scale that we operate on. And I was lucky enough. I actually had one of them that uh, is a potential hire. He actually rode with me for this last snowstorm last week mm -hmm. and was able to see uh, how frantic, uh, I am during a major snowstorm. And, uh, I've got my truck radio on, I'm talking to other trucks and I've got customers calling me and just all the moving pieces. And he was able to see that, okay, you know, it's not just mowing grass and just pushing snow. There's a whole, whole other side of the world with the management aspect and trying to push them, especially if they're going to the career center and they're furthering their education, trying to push them to do more, not just mow yards their entire life, because yeah. we need operations managers and account managers and sales managers and, uh, you know, that next step. And with them going to the career center and possibly even college, it, it kind of jumpstarts that. I love it, dude. And you're getting them and you're right. Cause you could look at being 22 and starting when you were in junior high, you could look at this as a major problem. I know when I first started out at 18, everything was uphill. Like I'd go to people's houses yeah. and I'd be looking around all googly eyed. Like people live like this. Yeah. Like I didn't grow up like this. These people yeah. have all these cars and fancy stuff. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, they're going to realize that I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's this whole imposter thing. Right. And I know yeah. it took me a while to shake that, but you know, especially being young. So I'm so excited for you that you've seen that as as a superpower and not as a something detrimental to your growth. So what I would love to do is, is kind of unpack this now. Okay. So you have clients, you mentioned earlier from 1981 that are still yep. on with you guys today. Now you are, you know, in sales and operations manager. How did, the, how has the transition been from someone much older than you to a 20 some year old guy coming in and say, I'm going to take care of your account now. Like what kind of struggles have you gone through to, to make that real inside and also external struggles that you found? Yes. Yeah, so there's, there's a couple of customers that they're still, they still deal with my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, they don't really fully back me yet. Um, and the certain ones that he still takes care of are ones that they're not really needy. They're not, you know, as long as the grass is short and the snow's cleared, they're happy. Uh, the ones that I take care of because my dad is a turf guy. He came from Kemlon. He worked there for a long time. And then, uh, so his whole realm is turf and mine is landscape. So we really, we work well together in that aspect because if I have a turf question, I can kind of lean on him. Mm -hmm. Uh, even though I have a decent knowledge of it, 
And when he has landscape questions or like what plants need to go where, I can I can really shine there. Uh, so a lot of the customers that want a lot of install work and floral displays, uh, ninety I'd say probably ninety eight percent of the customers are are under my account management realm. Um, but it's really just trying to use as much knowledge as I can and and match their I always say match their energy. Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not a true salesperson. I'm not pushy. Um, I don't call a customer every other day. I know there's a couple of our competitors around here that uh, they bid on a few of our accounts and they called them every other day for two weeks, wondering if they got a signed contract yet. And yeah. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm not pushy. Um, well, actually, I don't know if you're pushy. I just know that you're not needy. Exactly. Yes. Right? There's a big yes. difference between that. And in yes. sales, I think you're doing sales correctly. You said you're not the salesperson. Yep. I think you actually are. You're just not the quintessential, you know, drive the phone to the ground and scream yeah. at people until they buy from yeah. you, you know, <laughs> call yeah. till they I, die. I, kind I of thing. Say, yeah. I always say I'm not an insurance salesperson. I, I, uh, I can't, I can't bug somebody like that. I, exactly. I present what we have in our contracts or our quotes and, um, really the biggest thing with getting customers to be on board with it is just, showing them what we can do and showing them what I can do. Um, yeah. Trying to be as responsive as possible, do whatever they ask when they ask it. And uh, it takes some time. It took some time with a lot of them that I have now that they're in their 60s or, you know, late 50s that they weren't on board with it at first. And, uh, you know, we went from one of my best customers, we went from meeting probably once every couple months to we'll meet for lunch pretty much once a month and, and end up spending an hour, two hours and mm -hmm. just talk everything from uh, uh, as bad as it is politics to, you know, to fishing, to anything. And yeah, yeah. it's just all about matching. For me, it's all about matching their energy. If they're really high strung, then I'll be more uptight and I'll be more, you know, I will hurry up and get things done quicker and be, yep. you know, more responsive. But if I know that they're laid back and uh, they're easygoing, then I'll send a quote in an email, shoot them a text, say, Hey, just sent you a quote for some things I noticed. Let me know if you want to proceed and we'll leave it at that. And if they sign it, they do. If not, I'm not going to hound them about it because I know that's how they, that's how they operate. And I'm going to match that. I love it, dude. It's the whole concept of match and mirror. You know, yeah. if you come up to somebody and you're like a hyper dog jumping all over the place yeah. and they're really, really docile and relaxed, they're not going to be able to connect with you. Yep. That's, it's called that's sales 101. You've got to match them where they're at. And it's not saying you change your personality. You don't say, okay, I, I hate the color pink. And all of a sudden I do I'd love right. it. Like it's not that yeah. it's not the point. You're not lying to people. You're simply understanding right. that in order to have the biggest impact, positive impact in your life, you got to, you got to match and mirror. And that comes with energy yeah. it, it, dude. I'm sure you already know this, but uh, for the listeners out there, there's there's so much power when it comes to, and I don't mean power in like a, a controlling power. I just mean an in, in influence and being able to inspire people that comes from just being mindful of the match and mirror side of things, matching their yep. energies, even their their uh, body language. You know, if somebody's sitting at a table and their arms are crossed, there's a high probability that they're they're subconsciously blocking what you're saying. Now, sometimes yep. their arms are cold. That happens too. Like it's not a guarantee, but you can see when when people start to relax and become comfortable because all of a sudden they become more of an open position, their hands are out in front of them instead of arms crossed, their legs aren't crossed, or they're there, they're leaning into the table versus leaning back. Like all of those little right. cues are subconscious cues for you to know as a salesperson to know whether your message is effective or not, or whether right. you're going too hard or too low or not hard enough uh, or any of those kinds of things. So to be very mindful of that throughout, I'm glad right. you've picked up on that because it's huge. Match and yeah, mirror is gigantic. Yeah, and even with, uh, you know, I, I even try to match once I meet them a few times, or if I know a little bit about them, I even try to match, uh, not really language, but if I have a customer that drops the F-bomb every other word, you know, mm -hmm. I'm probably going to drop it a couple times myself because they're going to go, oh, well, he's not just some, you know, salesman from outer space. He's, he's a normal person like me and yeah. I can get along with them. And then I have some that, uh, you know, they have, they'll be wearing a full suit with a gold cross and, I'll make sure I've got my nicest dockers and, and nicer shoes and, and a nice button down on. Whereas the other guy, I can wear jeans and a polo with boots and, and yeah. be just fine. So it's for me, it's all about trying to match that match that effect because it helps them relate a little bit more. And yeah. uh, there's a common saying in business, people do business with who they know, like, and trust. And yep. for me, the biggest thing has been earning trust of customers and, and showing them that, hey, if you need something done, we'll do it. Um, 
a lot of times I end my phone calls with them, you know, just let me know whatever you need and we'll get it taken care of. And that way they know we, and we do some crazy stuff. I mean, we had uh, one customer call and I had to run uh, last Friday over to push one of the tenants cars out of a snowbank because she, she tried to park in one of our snow piles. Um, so, you know, as much <laughs> as I would Honda, love to right? say, yeah, you know, uh, Toyota Camry. And so as much as I'd love to say, what? I'm like, we'll get it taken care of. I'll be over there in an hour. Yeah. And just earning their trust of them knowing that, okay, if yeah. we need anything outdoors, we can call him. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, that's really been the biggest thing for me is, is just earning the trust of our customers. 100%. And new ones as well. And that's why you have clients still from 1981. You know, that's yes. a heck of a yep. long time. And that's, that's a heck of an achievement too, because most can barely hold them for one contract or two, right. you know, and you have these, these connections. That's amazing. When you say you really put the human experience, the client experience is the top of the list, just like you mentioned yep. there with the other uh, car. So it's so, so powerful, dude. So, all right. So you're 22, you're starting to get involved with some of these accounts that have been around a while. Um, how has bringing technology from a 22 year old perspective into a world where let's face it, 60 year olds aren't going to be the fastest to text or they probably don't check email. They'd rather a phone call. Like how do right. you balance how you communicate with a very big spread of, of ages within your, uh, you know, in, in your service environment? So how do you, how do you work that? Do you have certain things like, all right, if they're under 25, this is probably it. If they're over 45, don't do this. Like, how do you do that? Yeah, I, I try to ask them whenever uh, whenever I first meet them. Um, all of our customers I've had for a while, they pretty much I pretty much know what they want. Um, but I I have it on all my notes for my customers of on in my QuickBooks account or whatever other accounts we use. Uh, I've got I've got notes of pretty much what everything everybody prefers, and I try to ask that pretty soon or pretty early in sometimes the first meeting, Hey, what's the easiest way to get a hold of you? Email, text, phone call. What, what do you prefer? And so I have a bunch of customers that like texts. I have a lot of them that like phone calls. Mm -hmm. Um, I tell them all the time. I'm never at my office. I said, I don't even know why I put my office phone number on my card because more than likely if you call my office, I'm not going to be there. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm in my truck 90% of the time or out on a job site or whatever. And I'm not going to be able to answer that office phone. Uh, so I try to get a handle on that pretty quick. You know, do you like email? Do you like text? Do you want me to call your office, your cell phone? Um, I tell them if you have any emergencies after hours, call me because if I'm asleep at 10 o'clock on a Thursday night and you know, there's a water main that breaks at your building and I have to, we have to have somebody go salt. If you text me, I may not wake up. Uh, so I, I tell them all the time. I say, if, if you have something that you need, call me. Yeah. Um, especially if it's after hours. Now, if it's during work, text me. If it's not emergency, text me. Um, but same thing with contracts, even. Uh, we have some customers that they want me to print off a paper contract and they'll sign it and I'll scan it to them and I'll, I'll drop a signed contract copy back off. Yeah. And then we have others that they want me to send it over in Adobe with the fill and sign and then it's just for DocuSign and then it's just done. Yeah. Uh, so same thing with trying to match the personalities is, matching what they prefer technology wise. You know, I carry an iPad uh, for almost everything, but I've got, I've got all kinds of legal pads and everything else around my office. I, I can't be fully paperless because I'm, I'm kind of old school and I like pen and paper myself. Um, so it's, it's really just kind of matching what the customer wants in terms of that. Uh, we still, we still print invoices. I know there's a lot of uh, companies that they only email them, uh, but we have some older customers that they they hate having their emails invoiced or their invoices emailed because they have to print them off. And, uh, you know, I could say, well, that's that's your problem, not mine. That's just an extra step for you. But if they prefer a paper copy mailed to them, then that's what we'll do. It, it's we try to put, you know, the customer's needs first and everything that we do on that spectrum and uh same thing with technology. You know, I, I do property inspection reports for every property we have, or at least under my realm. And some of them like them printed and, and handed to them whenever I see them or they want them emailed. So it's, it's all about just kind of matching what, what they want. Got it. And that's, that's, that's really cool, especially when you have a long-term relationship. You know, if you're out design building something and you're in and out in a few months or a few weeks, you know, the, the chance of that client becoming a long-term client with a construction project is pretty slim. 
right. you know, because the project's done. But if you're on maintenance, you no, know, it's you're gonna you're long term. It's like you're dating this yeah. person, you're getting married to this person. Yeah. So it'd yeah. be good to know what their love language is, how they communicate best, because then you can have the best, most effective relationship and they can tell yes. their friends that you actually give a shit. Yeah. Right. That you actually yeah. care. Now, a question I have for you though, how do you balance that? How do you work on your yes management, especially you mentioned about somebody calling you at 11 o'clock at night because of a water main or whatever, right? And something they need salting right away. How do you personally manage it when you know you're always on call? So most of the time we don't have issues like that that happen, but mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm a horrible yes man. Um, I'm, and maybe that's why my customers like me because I, mm. I don't say no a whole lot. I probably say, say yes more than I should with certain things. And I probably for certain customers move a lot of things around like I, like I probably shouldn't. Um, but I think that really helps. It, it is a hard balance. You know, it's um, until I hire another manager, which is hopefully going to be within the next year or so uh, to kind of take some of my workload off of me. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot. Um, you know, even on vacation, I find myself answering texts and, um, and it's unfortunate that that's a struggle that we have that I have to deal with that, um, you know, I can, I can have them message my dad or whatever, um, or my, my right hand man, that's my field service manager, but it's, it still boils down to most of them want to text me. And that's, that is one of the bigger struggles we have is, I'm a yes man. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of things, especially with uh, our bigger customers. If they say, "Hey, we need this install done by the end of month," I know we're I know we're scheduled for six weeks out, but we got to have this install done. We got a big event coming. I'm okay. Yep, I'll move stuff around. We'll get it done. Yeah. And so it's probably not. We're going to have to try to work on that as we grow, and I understand that. Yeah. Uh, but for right now, uh, we're, we're pretty small fish in a big market. Uh, we have a lot of regional competitors that we, we take some big name accounts from, and we, we handle some big name accounts that they salivate over and nothing makes me happier than knowing that because we're kind of the, <laughs> we're kind of the underdog yeah, uh, yeah. with having, you know, we're about a million and a half in revenue, about 15 to 20 employees at peak season in the field. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it is a balance that we're going to have to try to work on, or I'm going to have to try to work on going forward because it is, it is an issue, um, being on call whenever, um, like I said, most of the time in spring, summer, fall, we don't have any issues, but snow, uh, snow for us is go time. So if they call me at midnight, it's like, if I can't get a hold of one of my guys, you better believe I'll be hopping in a dump truck and, and going to salt a parking lot. Um, it's, it's still boils down to all about taking care of the customer and, for right now, it's whatever it takes. So as we grow, though, we're going to have to we're going to have to work on that. And that's that is, like I said, something that we we need to address. Yeah, man. Coming from uh, being a recovering people pleaser myself and a yes man, I'd say yes to everybody all the time because the last thing I wanted was them to be mad at me or yeah. to you know go somewhere else because I wasn't there to help them out. And to be honest with you, I think you're going to find in your journey that when you eventually put some yes management insight and you start yeah. to say no to certain things things keep moving forward and you actually yeah. get a little bit of respect at times when you know yeah. you certainly need it. Now, do you, are you married? Do you have kids? No, no. Nope, okay. Nope, got nope. it. Just, that's uh, where, just, that's where it'll change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, we know we have, uh, cause you know, when I took over operations manager in 2019, uh, yeah. we hit our, we hit a record here in 2019. We went down a little bit for 2020 yeah. and then 21, we bumped back up. 22, nice. we bumped way back up. Good. Uh, so when I took over, we were about 700,000 in revenue. So right okay. now we're sitting right around one and a half million. Got it. Um, and as we've gotten over that about, about 1.1 to 1.2 threshold, yeah. I have started, I've st- started saying more, no more to new mm-hmm. customers. Yep. Uh, existing customers that we have relationships with. I'm, I'm a hopeless yes, man. I will, I will, probably stay that way with them because that's, uh, that's how we like, like it with them. Um, Mm -hmm. excuse me, sorry, my office phone's ringing. Um, but, uh, you know, with, with new ones, I've turned down shopping centers. I've turned down apartment complexes just because that's, I don't have to take it. I don't have to take it on. And I know that now, and I've kind of been able to start picking our workload with what we want. Like, well, these apartments are kind of junky, but they just got bought out by a bigger customer that we already take care of. Yes. These apartments are junk. We don't know who owns them. No, you know, it's, it's starting to be able to try to 
we're at the point now where we can we can decide what we want to take on and what we don't. Um, I'm I'm big on slow, calculated growth. Uh, we don't really have a sales outside sales rep yet or a business development manager, whatever you want to call it, because mm-hmm. I see so much around our market that companies just bid on whatever they can and they lowball all the grounds care so that way they get the snow work and then everything just kind of falls by the wayside. And I'd much rather, okay, I have this list of properties that I want. I'm not going to deviate too much from it because I know this is the calculated growth we want. Yeah. Uh, I think getting too big too quick is the downfall of a lot of companies. And uh, that's that's not where we're going to be. No, dude, I'm glad you have a clear understanding of what you're going after. That's huge. Having a mission, having a focus, understanding what it takes to get there. Ah, this week's sales nugget is a doozy. This is all about the client psychology when they're buying your product or service. Their service that you're offering them, maybe it's an outdoor living space, maybe it's a, a landscaping or retaining wall or whatever it might be. There's three questions that are burning in your client's mind. Uh, they're not going to admit these to you, but they are there nonetheless. The first question is, what's it going to look like? The second is, what's it going to cost me? And the third is, who is going to build it? Those three questions are constantly running in the back of their minds and your sales process has to make sure that you cover those things and that you, that you give them the information that they need in a way that they can see what's in it for them from their client's perspective. Why should I choose your company over a competitor's company? If you could answer those three questions, what's it going to look like? What's it going to cost me and who's going to build it in the most articulate way to give your clients the best understanding of what's in it for them, you win much more often. So you win more profitable projects with clients that you want to work with who are willing to pay you what you're worth. That's why this is so important. So what's it going to look like? What's it going to cost me? And who's going to build it? Make sure you wire that into your sales process. I found in my career that around that million, million five range is when I realized, okay, it's like a different consciousness shift. Tell me if this is how you, you, experienced it as well, where, you know, after that million, you're like, I hit the million dollar mark. It's like the the survival part, the survival, constant, incessant noise in your head of, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? You know, in our world, once you hit that million, you're like, dude, this is more than we need. Like, this is amazing. Like survival is now handled. Now you can start focusing on the bigger picture, like the growth and start being selective. And that's when the yes management comes into a lot because you brought a, a, a lack of yes management all the way through yeah. the first million. Now it's like, well, what if I start saying no to Mrs. Jones or to that company yeah. or whatever? What are they going to do? Are they going to fire me? And then we're back down below that million. So I just right. suggest being careful with that because yeah. if you're if you if they're used to that, that expectation is already there. Um, right. It's a matter of slowly letting it go. And right. as you said, hiring people to come in and start facilitating some of that for you, so you don't have to be running twenty four hours a day. But Man, that's that's good that you have that focus. But that second level of consciousness after that, you know, million, million five mark, it's crazy how that shifts. How did that shift for yeah. you moving through and feeling through that? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I when I first started, I wanted every every apartment complex, every shopping center. I wanted I wanted pretty much everything I seen that was commercial. If I seen one of our competitors on it, it made me mad, and I started researching that day, mm-hmm. um, especially properties next to ones we already took care of, and. Um, you know, at, at first I was really bad with rejection. Uh, when I first started, I, when I had an apartment complex, tell me, no, it's like that just ruined my whole day. Yep. And they were saying no to you, Zach. That was the yes. problem, right? You were yes. like, I'm a failure. I'm, I'm a reject, whatever. Yep. Right. And it yep. was never about that. Was it? No, no, nope. exactly. it was either price or they didn't want to change or whatever. And, yep. uh, you know, now it's like, okay, you know, keep who you got, mm-hmm. keep, paying that cheap price. Uh, you know, I'm going to take pictures of my property next door and I'll bring them over, you know, in May, whenever your property looks like crap and then we'll see what looks good and what doesn't. Uh, so I, I've really gotten better with that because, uh, like I said, at first it was, you know, there was the end of the world, like, Oh my God, we didn't get, you know, steeplechase next door. Oh gosh, you know, what what are we going to do? And now it's okay. We'll find something else. Yeah. Uh, you know, if they don't want to pay money, they're not going to be a good fit for us anyway. I'm not going to keep dropping my bid down every year to match their current provider's cost, uh, because then that's just, we're just not going to make money. And I'm fairly upfront with, with everything we bid on. Uh, you know, I tell them I'm, I'm cut and dry. I'm going to tell you right away. We're probably not the cheapest. We're probably not the most expensive, 
but you get what you pay for. And this is what we can guarantee service level wise. This is what we can guarantee your property look like. And this is what you can guarantee for me. Um, and so when we started shifting away from that yes mentality, uh, or when I did, it's, it's really, it's helped because now I kind of had a better, I have a better understanding of where we want to go. I kind of have a better understanding of, okay, even though this big shopping center is, is a seasonal contract, they're only paying 40,000 and I know we're going to spend at least 28 on, on lawn care. Well, 12,000 isn't enough to do snow for this complex. If we get an eight inch snow, it'll be 12,000 alone. Um, so having that shift really, really has helped me identify what we want and what we don't. And I don't think it'll be this year, but for 2024 is when we really want to really explode and uh, explode with what we want. You know, we're going to, we're going to spend a lot of time this coming year um, finding out which properties we want, researching, and then next fall, just bidding like crazy on those ones that we actually want and not just anything that comes to the door. We had uh, a good example. I had a, a lady call a couple weeks ago that has 13 industrial properties. And uh, she said, well, she said, I seen one of your trucks. I want to send you guys a bid form because we've got, uh, you know, X, Y, Z bidding on it. And we want to, we want to get you guys a bid on it too. Your guys' work looks good. And uh, the, one of the first things I asked her, well, I said, are you getting three bids? Or are you getting more? And uh, she's like, well, she's, I said, uh, she said, I sent it to about 15 different companies. Yeah. And I said, well, don't bother. You know, I, yeah. we're not, we're not in the race to the bottom and it was an old school, you know, pencil in your, your mowing price bid sheet and, yeah, yeah. uh, their, their salt specs were like, uh, you know, you can only salt once within 48 hours unless otherwise requested. And, uh, that's just, that's just not what we're looking for. I want to have sole discretion, especially with snow removal of services, because we are the professional. We're going to decide what the site needs to be zero tolerance and, uh, if they don't like it, you know, that's, that's kind of with that conscience, then, oh, well, we're not a good fit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, dude. Now you mentioned that, you know, about when someone's sending out for multiple bids, especially in the commercial world, I know in the residential world, one of my favorite questions to ask clients when they said they're getting multiple bids or have received bids and they're still getting bids, certain simple question. So what is it that the other companies didn't offer you that you're still looking for? Yep. There's something. And most of the time it's price. Right. Most of the time it's like, well, okay, well, if, if, you know, company A would do it for 20,000, company B will do it for 19,500, company C will do it for 18, maybe we can get it for 15. Let's yeah. keep going, right? And it, it's yeah. always a race to the bottom, the race out of business, right? So asking that simple question, you know, what did, uh, what did the other companies not offer that you're still looking for? Yeah. And asking them right up front with that question, like, uh, you put them right in the position because now you're basically right. saying, show me your hand. Like, what do you, why do you yeah. want my bid? Right. Yeah. And if you say it nicely like that, the next thing you know, they're like, well, we're still looking for the best price or the other guys didn't do this or whatever. I mean, we ask that for just about every project. If we get that, that right. uh, response that, to that statement. Yeah. And that's what I do most of the time with commercial properties is I ask them, uh, you know, are you getting, are you getting three bids? Yeah. Well, we have to, well, does your management company force you to go with the lowest bid? Mm -hmm. Well, most of the time, yes. Yeah. I tell them, well, we're probably not going to be a good fit then because unlike my competitors, I'm not bidding maintenance at $35 an hour. There's, yeah. there's no way, uh, you know, we're doing that in our market anyway to, to make money, uh, that they can say that they make it up on snow all they want, but I'm not going to lose money from March to November and then cross my fingers and hope we get a big snow so I can, essentially bend them over and, and salt every time it rains and it's 35 degrees and try yeah. to make up my lost profit from the summer. Uh, you know, I, I tell them there's, there's a big portfolio of apartment complexes that I've been trying to get for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, they, they've set the, kept the same provider for the past three years, uh, on each, each on one year contracts. And, uh, they're not happy. None of no, none of the apartment complexes are happy. And, uh, most of them we bid are about, 150,000 a piece. They're large, they're large properties for maintenance. And, uh, you know, I, I tell them, well, if you're not happy, then clearly we need to make a change with your provider because something's not right. Uh, well, they, they bid it and they were the lowest price by about 10,000. Yeah. Well, yeah, but now you're having turf issues and, uh, you've got plants dying and you're calling me out here to look at these things. And then you're having me give you a bid and then you turn around and award the enhancement work to them. I said, I'm just, I'm wasting my time at this point. Whenever you want to, I, I, I don't say it quite like that because I try to 
be somewhat polite. Uh, but it is frustrating chasing chasing endless endless trails like that. And sure. uh, I usually just end it and say, well, you know, when you want quality over price, I bid competitively. Give me a call. Yep. Uh, you know, we'll we'll work with you the best we can, but our quality is there, and we're not going to skimp on price because, uh, just like with bidding warehouses, you know, you get a lot of guys that spray Roundup around everything, curbs, you know, curbs, signs, whatever. We don't do that a whole lot unless they request it because that's just ways because they know they underbid it and they've got to save on string trimming now and save yeah. on that manual labor so that way they can just get in Moblo and go. And we're we're very much not a Moblo company, and that's kind of where we structure our pricing at. I like that. Yeah, stand on your grounds, man. It sounds like you have some um, some un unshakable foundational you know virtues that you work from, and it sounds like it's honesty and it's transparency and it's 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 all good stuff, right? Good ethical stuff, and and you know others don't always play those same rules. For them, right. business is a very different set of rules, and you that's just the nature of the game. All you can do is try to get as close as you can to the customer and keep your right. thumb on their pulse because that's ultimately who wins is the one that keeps their thumb on the pulse and understands what that client needs. Eventually, yep. they get tired of paying less and getting less. They will eventually yep. come around, and if they don't, oh well. But yeah. at least you're positioning, your, positioning yourself in right. a way that you can come in and be like, we can absolutely take care of that problem for you. Yeah, and we're not going to change our ways because of how yeah. others are doing it because we understand our clients truly want this. Right, and the commercial world is just—it's so cutthroat. You know, everybody's imagine, yeah. everybody's racing to be the cheapest once they can get that big big warehouse or that big office complex, yeah. and uh, you know, it's it it can be exhausting, and that's that's probably why I pack a full cooler when I kayak in the summer. Uh, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's, yeah. I, I try to tell people, especially, you know, with my kids at the career center that I help out with it, you know, they, they say, well, I want to, I want to grow a big company. Well, do you? Because, you know, owning a business is great most days, but there's a lot of days that are hell. You know, there's yeah. a lot of days that just, you know, they just drag. And I try to tell them, business isn't all sunshine and roses every day. You know, it, yeah. they say, well, I want to be my own boss so I can make my own rules. And I just, kind of, <laughs> I start, I start laughing. I say, until you're a company that's got 20 employees or 15 employees, you probably won't be able to make your own rules because you're the main guy. You're the guy that's going to be running to get flagstone. You're the guy that's going to be running to make sure this customer get, has their check for you. You're going to be the guy running because a truck broke down. And a lot of them don't realize that as they grow, you know, right now with them just being by themselves and, you know, mowing 30 yards, they can, they can maybe skip a half a day and go hang out with their friends or do whatever. But when the real world sets in, you start having a couple employees in those first couple of years, it's, it's tough. And, yeah. uh, even where we're at, you know, it's, there's, there's days it's like, I don't even see the daylight of my house for a couple of days. It's like, I leave work and it's dark in the morning. I get home and it's dark at night. And it's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of them that don't realize that. And so just trying to, trying to push that through too, is, you know, this, this is a tough game and especially, you know, they talk about, well, I want to, I want to bid on this, this, uh, this shopping center over here. I've got, I got like 40 yards now. I, they asked me to bid it. It's a small one, but I think I can do it. And I say, well, you need to make sure you know your numbers first, because if you're the residential to commercial world is a whole, whole different ball game. And, uh, if we tried to do residential, we'd have to completely restructure because the few residential we do for like property managers and our attorney and our banker, we, we don't make anything on it. Uh, wow. we, we basically do it at cost because our, our crews aren't set up to mow Mrs. Jones yard. They're set up to mow Mrs. Jones cousin's apartment complex that takes a full day for five guys. They're, yeah. they're not set up to do that smaller, smaller work. And so, uh, not to get on too much of a tangent on commercial versus residential, but, uh, you know, I, I enjoy the commercial world, uh, most days, but it is, it is cut through it, especially it seems like, uh, you know, every guy that used to work for Brickman group starts up their own company and, uh, around here anyway. And, yeah. uh, they, they've decided that they want to go out and tackle commercial on their own. So it's, <laughs> it's interesting. It keeps, keeps you on your toes. No, I bet it does. And that actually leads me into my next question. So I learned through my journey through watching others, my mentors, that in order to become more, you have to learn, you have to educate, you have to, you have to become more in order to grow a business. So the person, you personally have to grow inside 
spiritually, emotionally, physically, all of that in order to take the company to the next level. If you don't do any of that, you will not just miraculously one day wake up and your company will be twice the size. You've got to become twice the person in order to have a company that's twice the size. There's a direct correlation to that. Once I learned that, I'm like, oh boy, that means that I got to constantly be growing in order for my company to be growing. So how are you taking that? I know you're 22 and it's amazing that you're this far in life already and already, you know, cranking it out and focused and have a clear vision. How are you growing personally in order to keep that mission moving and the company growing? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I never try to stop learning. Um, you know, even though I went to college, I I know I'm, I'm still very far off from knowing all the plants and all the design schematics. And uh, there's a lot of things that I, I don't know um, in the landscape world because the landscape world is so vast. Uh, but I try to read as many books as possible, especially on business. And uh, like, for example, like uh, The Fred Factor and uh, some other books by Mark Sanborn and a couple others that uh, I really try to grab onto that, you know, to grow this business, it takes more than just selling work and hiring people. Uh, we used to be very, very much a good old boy company. So culture was never really big. And now we're trying to slowly change that because a lot of our guys have been with us for a while. They're not used to it mm-hmm. and trying to get the new ones on board with it. It's, it's a challenge. And so that's, that's a big part that's grown with me is, is trying to embrace a new culture and, uh, you know, grow in the business side of things, you know, expand my knowledge and just try to read a lot and research a lot. Um, there's not much, I, I don't get much out of, uh, out of the GIE expo. I like to go to the actual landscape side and go to the education classes and, yeah. uh, do that sort of thing because yeah, equipment's cool, but I can, I can research equipment online. Um, you know, we, I can do that all day long. I, I don't, I don't have to, uh, you know, walk 10 miles in a trade show to see, uh, see a new Chevy truck. I've, I've, I know the setup we like. I know what setup works for us. Not saying that I wouldn't go through there, and I, I have many for a couple of years now. Um, but just always learning, always trying to grow myself and my knowledge is is a big key to it. No, absolutely true, dude. Just you never stop learning because as soon as you do and you think you know it all, that's when your business will plateau and start to go the other yeah. way around. Because everyone else that's trying to grow is they know this, or at least they're in it, whether they know it or not. And if they're not pushing themselves to grow, yep their business is not growing either. And that was a a hard fact for me to learn. And then once I learned it, I was like, okay, so if that's the case, I should be focusing on my number one um, priority is personal growth. You know, in the four F's where it's faith, family, fitness, and finance. So I need to be focusing on how to become better in all of those all the time. And when I do, then a business not naturally grows, but there's a higher probability it will. And you can solve problems better because you have a bigger base of knowledge to work with and then partner with mentors. So have you found mentors to be very, I think you mentioned this earlier, but I want to go back to this about finding mentors within your industry or within your life that can help you that have been where you want to go that can help you get there. Have you found it to be a, a very helpful resource? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so especially with, like I mentioned, that Ohio High School Landscape Olympics, um, I met a lot of colleagues through that. Um, I was also extremely active in FFA in high school, um, and I did the turf grass management proficiency and landscape management proficiency. And so on the state level, um, a few of the judges I met when I was you know, a freshman in high school, so 2014 or 15, um, especially one of the judges, Mike Lynch from Environmental Management in Columbus. I have to name drop him because he's been such an awesome asset to me. Uh, you know, we try to meet at least a couple times a year for lunch, as well as I see him. I, I help volunteer on the national level for FFA. So I go to Indianapolis every year uh, with him and some other judges from Columbus, Ohio. And we judge the skills competition for the nursery and landscape career development event. Uh, so Mike and then uh, a couple others like Andrew Muntz from Green Velvet Sod Farms. We actually buy a product from one of their branches. Uh, but just these guys that I met, you know, coming up on 10 years ago that I still talk to now and still bounce ideas off of. And uh, with Mike being at Central Ohio's biggest landscape company, you know, I think they have like $63 million in revenue this year. Mm. Uh, and he's an account manager that's been there since 1997. Yeah. Uh, he, there's really nobody in my mind that knows the commercial landscape game better than him. And so uh, it doesn't really, neither one of us really, it never really seems like it. Uh, but he, he brings me up with him every year at the, we call it OLO, the competition uh, for high school. We call it OLO. And uh, 
he brings me up with him every year and tries to talk to kids like he like Zach's gone through the program. Zach is like I'm like his mentor. You know, we really don't look at it that way because him and I just look at it as a couple times a year we meet at Roosters for lunch uh, and just kind of I kind of bounce ideas off of him and ask him questions. Well, you know, how do you guys do this kind of snare move? Well, how do you guys charge for brine? Um, and so that's that's been a big big help and uh, we've looked at doing it more with our landscape Olympics competition because you know we've got 200 high school kids that are in career tech programs because most of the time they want to be in landscaping or they want to do something outdoors. Um, we've looked at assigning like a certain group of them mentors to where you know once or twice a year we bring a couple of them either to our company or we come to their school take them to lunch and just let them ask whatever questions they want for a full day. And that way we can try to answer questions the best we can about whatever they have about the industry, about business, about landscape in general, about what we do and really try to connect with them and, and help keep them in industry. Um, a lot of these career centers, a lot of people, you know, trade schools are getting big again, at least around us. And, uh, the career center that I went to, they just combined their landscape and outdoor environment program into one. So it's landscape and natural resources. They have over 200 acres of wetland, of prairie, of woods, of uh, lawn areas. They got an indoor pole barn that they can do all kinds of projects. And so we as an industry really need to look more into that because our next generation is already getting trained in high school. Um, now when we run into, you know, like when I was in high school, I didn't I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And there's a lot of kids that don't. So there is some turnover with that because they'll get out of high school and they'll work a landscape job and go, you know, this really isn't for me. But at least they've got that experience and they, they try it and they know for sure if they want to do it or not. Yeah. Um, rather than hire them when they're 30 and they've had factory jobs and no experience. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, you know, we really try to we run we want to an industry uh, with our high school kids build that mentorship thing up a little bit more, uh, because like what I did, I mean, I never thought that 10 years later, uh, I'd be having lunch a couple times a year and call on the phone a couple times every other month with one of the judges that I had for FFA. I, I would have never thought I would have ever <laughs> seen him again. And, That's awesome. uh, I did that competition probably five or six times. And mm -hmm. every time it's like, I seen him and I was like, Hey Mike, he's like, Oh, Hey, haven't, haven't seen you before. And so, uh, it's, it, that's, that's really cool. I love that. I love that dude. And you know, it's, it's so many, I don't know. I used to think this, this exact thing where I'm like, who would want to say yes to some young kid asking questions? Like hey, they're, they're, they're too busy for me. Why would they right. want to help? And the crazy thing that I've learned, and you could tell me if you learned this as well, but you know, people that are successful, they want to help. They want to give yep. contribution is centered to their heart growth and contribution, yep. right? So contribution is helping. And if you find somebody that you ask and say, can you mentor me? And they might say, no, be like, all right, can I, can I shadow you? Can, can, yep. is there some way that I can get around you? Can I help you? Can I do something for you to learn? I, you got to be able to put a little value in there too. Right. Yeah. Next thing you know, it's like, holy crap. Now I'm, I'm rubbing wings with this person all the time and I'm learning yeah. from them and they're, I'm following them to lunch meetings and helping out. And and then all yep. of a sudden you're like, wow, they do actually have time for me because they don't want to waste their time. Their time is valuable. They have a strong yes management in place. That's why they're successful. Right. So you got to give them a reason to say yes. Yeah. It's not because of whether you're worth it or not. It's because they got to look at them and they've got to say, you know what? I really want to help this person out. Give them a reason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a couple of kids, you know, they, they graduated in maybe 2019 or 2020. I've got one that uh, he wants to start up a uh, like excavation and landscape business. And he's like, he, this is literally just this past year, he, he called me and said, Hey, what, what do I need to have in a contract for like an install contract? I got this customer that wants me to do a retaining wall in front of their house because they live on a little bit of a hill and it's like a four foot retaining wall. What do you have in your contract? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I said, come down to work and I'll show you. I was like, mm -hmm. I, I pulled up the contract for him and, or my template and showed him. I said, this is what I got. I said, you know, you can, I said, you obviously need to reward it a little bit and you know, you need to add what works for you. I said, this works for me. I was like, don't copy it, but this is yeah. what works for us. You know, yeah, we've got yeah. clauses in there for pavers and theft and wind and water and all this stuff. I said, you, it, the big, the biggest thing is, is, uh, you know, CYA. And he's like, what's CYA? I was, I was like, cover your ass. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, with, especially once you start on things like that, if a wall fails and somebody's front yard ends up in the street, you need to make sure that in no way, shape or form, it can come back on you. 
uh, unless you just really are bad at building a wall, but yeah, you shouldn't exactly. be if you're going to be doing that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just being as open as possible, especially with these kids that come up that yeah. showing them, you know, I, I, I job shadowed. I had two of them job shadow me uh, at the end of November. Uh, to the ones that are current juniors at the crew center. And they asked, well, what does your, what, what does one of your landscape contracts look like? And so we pulled up a landscape contract and uh, they said, well, what does an enhancement contract look like? And I'm like, well, glad you asked. We're going to sell this today. You're going with me. Mm, and nice. so Love kind that. of showing them everything from what we do on the operation side to selling an enhancement quote. And uh, even, if, I mean, in November, so there's not a whole lot to do, but showing them, hey, this is a brush cutting quote. You know, we're going to clear out some brush on a fence line. Uh, this is what it looks like. And just trying to yeah. be as open as possible to uh, not say no to them. Um, I know that's probably back to the yes management thing, but we got to get kids in the industry somehow because we Lawn and Landscape had a magazine article uh, a year or two ago, and the average age for this industry is 45 to 55. Yep. And uh, that's that's pretty much 80 percent of our industry. So that's yep. that's something yep. that we as an industry definitely have to work on. That's because I'm 44. So we didn't grow up with YouTube. Right. You couldn't be a YouTube yeah. star and make a million dollars. It didn't exist. You had to yeah. work. Right. Yeah. So and video games were popular, but not as popular as they are now because they're not in a, well, in a pocket. We had to do it differently. But right. anyway, different world. But, dude, I appreciate our conversation today. I appreciate, you know, you coming on and being honest and, and uh, you know, very upright in what you're doing and, and your focus and your your morality and how you handle and manage your, your clients. I love that. So if there was one piece of wisdom that you've learned over your 22 years so far, especially being kind of thrown in the middle of, of being young and having to, you know, manage that in your client's expectations, what is, what is a piece of advice you think you could give to anybody young listening? Um, I would say, you know, never, never underestimate what you can do. Uh, because even though, even if, even if you're, uh, even if you're younger in the industry, you, it doesn't really matter if you know what you're doing and you've got a passion for it, build your knowledge up. The biggest thing I try to preach to these uh, kids from the career center is knowledge. Uh, don't think that just because you can mow Mrs. Jones yard that you can take on a big project. You got to, yeah. you have to go the extra mile. And I, I push trade schools pretty heavy. I push the career center pretty heavy. And I, I push for kids that if they want to go into um, and really not even, not, not even high school kids. You know, I, I had people in my college classes that were in their forties that realized that they wanted to be a landscape designer. Um, if you want a upper position with a company and you have a degree, you will make good money in this industry, especially if you have a, a passion for it. And, uh, I guess to kind of wrap it up, that's, that's really what it is, is just, if you have a passion for it, follow it and, uh, don't stop. Yeah. That passion will take you through just about everything. Yeah. That's the cool part. It'll, it'll, it'll pull you forward as opposed to trying to push you out the door in the morning. Yep. And that's, that's the biggest change right there. But yeah, Zach, you never, you never want to have a Monday where you just dread going to work. I, most yeah. Mondays, uh, most Mondays I'm pretty happy to do what I do and, uh, Absolutely. I don't, I don't complain too much. hundred percent dude. And you know, this concept of each one teach one is near and dear to my heart. And I know it is to yours. And I can tell by how much volunteering you're doing and helping out with the uh, the center and all that stuff. But if we as an industry would focus more on each one, teach one and not trying to keep all of our ideas all bottled up because right, if somebody yeah. found out, then we would be at some kind of a, uh, a disadvantage that when that flips in this industry, this industry is going to go to the, to the moon. It's going to be incredible. I agree. But I agree. Need, we need to have conversations like this so others can listen and say, you know what? I might only be in business five years, but I learned some stuff along that way. And I'd love to yep. share it with somebody just starting out. And I'd love to also be the quote unquote dumbest one in the room and go talk to somebody who's done it for 30 years yep. and figure out how the hell I can get there faster. Why would you wait another 25 years to right. figure out what they figured out when you can do it in maybe a year? Right. It's crazy. Com you know, compressed decades into days. But each one teach one is how we're going to push the industry ahead. And that's why we have this podcast and that's why we do our events and all that stuff. So we can all help each other yeah. grow. That's what it's all about. So Zach, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your valuable time and all that you've shared with us. If someone wants to reach out to you directly about anything we talked about here, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Uh, either Facebook, uh, through our Facebook page or uh, just look us up and call my office number. You know, if, if anybody's got any questions, my office number is, is uh, on our website and my extension is on our, on our voicemail, you know, shoot me a call, shoot me a message on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Z Gordon 25 on Instagram. Uh, I'll pretty much answer anything, anything to anybody in the industry. And uh, I know when, once I got on the green grind podcast, that's uh, I, I don't want to, try to build my clout. 
uh, I'm all for our industry. So my, uh, my big push is to try to get on some, as many podcasts as I can this next year and, and push this industry because it's, I think it's the best industry. You know, it's, we call it green collar, not blue collar. And, uh, it's, I think it's a, a great industry to get into, but, uh, give me a call on my office phone on Instagram, Z Gordon 25, even Facebook on our company page, or even on mine, I'm always open to answer any questions. And what's your website? mgzlawn.com got it mgzlawn.com well zach i appreciate your time and uh for all the listeners out there i appreciate you listening in here there's a lot of great nuggets dropped today and um yeah i had a great time talking to zach a lot of good stuff i always like learning stuff and i always like talking to amazing people so guys um if you've enjoyed it that's great we'll talk uh we'll talk next week thanks for listening